um, as we reflect on this passage and just where we are, um, feel free to share some of your reflections. What maybe words or phrases stuck out to you in this passage? Um, ways that uh, maybe it struck you? Um, some questions or comments or just reflections that you have. Um, so uh, feel free to share those and we'll, we'll sort of craft everything together. Uh, where we are this morning is not necessarily how we pictured things. I think that's, the, that's something that I've heard over and over as I've talked with people. Um, we never thought we would be in this position. Uh, we never imagined something like this happening, even in, uh, even in the deepest uh, creative parts of our brain. This is not something that we ever saw coming, and yet here we are. Maybe um, you're feeling all kinds of feels. Uh, maybe you're feeling anxious. Um, anybody feeling anxious? Um, feeling confused? Or maybe overwhelmed? Um, maybe you're feeling scared? Um, it's okay to acknowledge that you're feeling those things. Uh, and we're joined together in worship this morning to connect with each other to, to feel some hope um, and to be connected to one another and and to be reminded of our connection with God, to be reminded of peace, to hold on to love, the love that we have for each other, the love that God has for us, and the love that we have for God. That perfect love that casts out all fear. So would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, fear is um, an intense emotion, and I think that there is so much, there's a reason why there's so much conversation uh, in the Bible about fear. Uh, be not afraid, do not fear, don't let your hearts be troubled, perfect love drives out all fear. And fear can sometimes be the noise that drowns out hope. And yet, I think that there is a part of fear that is a part of our story. Elizabeth Gilbert, who is the author of the book Eat, Pray, Love, and Big Magic, um, she said about fear, she said, I don't think that we're grateful enough to fear because it's gotten us where we are. And she tells a story of swimming too far away from shore and fear taking over. And she said, fear in that point saved my life. And yet... Fear has its place, and sometimes fear doesn't get to speak, and so we have to silence it, because fear is often a liar. Fear doesn't get to tell the whole story, because it really doesn't tell the true story. I think sometimes people say that, the, um, that being brave is the opposite of fear, um, but I'm not sure that that's true. I think um, being brave is knowing that something is scary and doing it anyway. And I don't even think that fearless is the opposite of fear. Um, because I, I don't think that it's absolutely possible to have 0% fear in your life. So what I think is the opposite of fear is I think love is the opposite of fear. Our passage says to us, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, 
For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. No matter who you are, at some point, some things have probably felt out of control. Maybe you've been feeling that way for a while. Maybe this situation has reminded you of other things that you just feel out of control about. Um, Maybe you're sitting in that right now, um, wondering how all of these things make sense or what's happening. Um, Maybe you've been in those times when you've seen it coming and you can go, oh, I know how to prepare for this. But probably most of the time it catches us off guard. Um, Anyone... Is there anybody who'd like to admit that they really like being in control um, and really like being in charge and really like having things fixed and known? I think really at some point we all really like that. Maybe you're trying to get things under control before it feels like it's just too late and you just don't know how you do this. How do you pause long enough to breathe? to be grounded and connected? Well, first you pause. You breathe. We remember who God is, that God has loved us. And you give yourself permission to fail because we have never done this before. We're doing some things that we've never imagined or never thought that we could or would be doing. I mean, maybe those things are something as small as I never thought I'd be cooking at home this much. Or maybe it's something like, I never thought I would have to teach my fourth grader math. Maybe it is that I never thought I would have to learn how to use a video camera. Or maybe it's, I never thought that I'd be worshiping online. Give yourself permission to fail because you've never been here before. And so I think that permission to fail Uh, comes from an understanding that you are worthy to be loved and you're enough. You are loved by God and you are worthy to be loved. Shauna Nyquist, who uh, she wrote a book called um, uh, Present Over Perfect, and she says in there, I did everything I could do to prove the worth of my soul. And then I found out that it's not what I do that proves my worth, It's that I was created on purpose, for a purpose, by God. My cat has joined the worship service. Maybe your cats have too. Um, Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That was one of the two greatest commandments that Jesus said there were. But in order to love your neighbor as you love yourself which is something that we are called and commanded to do, it also means that you first love yourself. So love yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Allow yourself to make mistakes, to be wrong, to fail. And love yourself not just in spite of those things, but because of those things. Because they make you who you are. And who you are is a child of God, and no one gets to take that away. 
so what does it look like to love yourself? Especially in, uh, in the times that we're in right now, in challenging times, what does it look like to love yourself? To give yourself permission to rest? Maybe you just need a nap. Trying to think through all of the things sometimes is just exhausting. And so maybe loving yourself looks like taking a nap on the couch. Maybe it looks like taking care of yourself, of cooking healthy, of getting out and taking a walk, of checking in on friends and family that you haven't seen or talked to in a while. In order to love your neighbor, you do have to love yourself. So think of a time when you have been loved deeply and fully. Maybe it was a significant other, a partner or a spouse. Maybe it was a good friend. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a stranger. Can you think of the times that you have been loved deeply and fully? And how did it feel? What did you do to earn it? Did you do anything to earn it? And how did you respond? I mean, I can think of some of the times that I have been loved deeply and fully more than once. After one of my kidney stone procedures, I, um, a friend dropped everything at the last minute to come and stay with me to make sure that I was feeling okay. When I told another friend that a particular date and a month um, had painful memories, she made sure to invite me to dinner to make new memories. When I have felt lost and confused about life, I called a friend who literally just listened to me cry. I have been deeply and fully loved. And for many of those times that you've been thinking, maybe it's been in a relationship of some kind, so maybe you can argue that it's reciprocation. Well, we do this because we love each other, and that's true. But when I think even of some of the times that I've been loved deeply and fully, I don't know that I always deserved it. I don't know that I was always what maybe was good enough. It was a gift. I didn't earn it, and yet it was there. How do you accept the love that you receive as the gift that it's been given? Do you believe that you're worthy enough to receive that love? Shauna Nyquist again, she writes, I used to believe in the deepest way that there was something irreparably wrong with me and love was a lie. And now I'm beginning to see that love is the truth and darkness is a lie. Sometimes love isn't pretty. I mean, we have these wonderful romantic notions of what love might be like, that it's beautiful and it's full of hearts and rainbows and sparkles and pink and it's beautiful. And that's not untrue. And yet, love isn't always pretty. Sometimes love is teaching a fourth grader math at home. Sometimes love is rubbing the back of someone who's throwing up. Sometimes love is listening to them cry on the phone. Sometimes love is having to apologize for harm. Sometimes love isn't pretty, but it's deep and it's full because love undergirds everything. So who are the ones who love you exactly as you are? 
who are the ones that you love? I think sometimes what you see is what you get. If you look for danger, you'll find it. If you're looking for bad things to happen, you will find them. If you're looking for people to betray you, you'll find them. And it's true that you may find those things even if you're not looking for them, but they definitely will you'll definitely find them if you're not. What if you took that energy and you flipped it? What if you looked for the happy moments? What if you looked for your friends? Or as Mr. Rogers reminds us, what if you looked for the helpers? Because if you look for them, you'll find them for sure. From the beginning of the Bible, of Gen uh, which is in Genesis, we're called stewards of creation. And often that's to remind us of the care of creation, which is very true. We do need to care for the earth, not to abuse it, not to use it up, but to care for what's God created. And I think that it's important to remember when we talk about stewarding creation, you are a creation also. So how are you using your energy? Um, I have a friend who we, um, we went to this event um, called 50 Men Who Cook, um, and we had a system of how we did things there. Um, somebody would save a table while the other one went out and got food, and so um, when I was waiting for my friend to come back, I was sitting at our table to make sure nobody took our seats, and there was um, another woman talking to her friend, and everything that came out of her mouth was a criticism or complaint. So she told her friend, the clothes that she was wearing are not flattering and you shouldn't wear them because it's not flattering for your body. And then she talked about how much she hated her mother-in-law and she went into detail of everything that, she, that her mother-in-law had been doing wrong. And then she talked about the stupidity of her husband and why he was lucky that she, he had her. Um, and then she talked about the food that they were eating and how she would have cooked it better. Um, she talked about the cost of the event and how, um, and wondered why does a charity need so much money? Um, and so then there was sort of this pause when she asked her friend, she was like, well, uh, how are you? Um, and her friend sort of looked and she kind of looked at me and she was like, well, I, I can't complain. Um, and her friend responded back, me either. Um, we just sort of looked at each other like, what, what just, what was just going on right here? And maybe, you know, people like that that it just feels like everything they have to share is a complaint. But if you're honest, are you a people like that? We probably wouldn't admit it if we were. But think about it when you've been on the receiving end of this. Maybe the one listening to all these complaints. And, and also, the way that they're looking at the world, it's a reflection on how the other person views their existence. When you find yourself with nothing larger to give yourself to, all you're left is making a big deal out of things that are not really a big deal. And how you spend your energy affects you. Rob Bell talked about this on his podcast called The Robcast. Um, he reminds us that our job is not to be right, but to have right relationships with ourselves, with others, and with all of creation. Decide now that you will not spend your precious energy speculating about someone else's life and how it compares to yours. We're doing the best we can. How are you spending your energy? How are you looking at the world? How are you stewarding your energy? Can you live in love 
so much that even when you're seeing the pain around you, you can see love. It doesn't mean that the world is perfect or that you're Pollyanna or ignoring anything. You can see the brokenness of the world and you can even see the brokenness of yourself and still see it and you as being worthy of being loved. You're not trying to make it anything that it's not. And yet you can see the beauty that's within it, bruised and brave, flawed and beautiful, fragile and strong. Frederick Buechner says, here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Perfect love casts out all fear. So life is a collection of moments wo woven into a tapestry together. Let go of your fear. Let go of your pride. Let go of your feelings of unworthiness. Embrace your failure. Embrace your creativity. Embrace your humility. Embrace your sacred worth as a child of God. Embrace that love and grace of God that has claimed you from beginning, the beginning of time. Glennon Doyle, who is an author and a speaker, she says, be brave because you're a child of God. Be kind because everyone else is too. What you give your energy to is how you understand your worth. And you are worth more than getting upset about the small things. You can spend your life trying to make things perfect and you'll never be satisfied. And you can love your life. You can love yourself. You can love your neighbor. And you can love the world. And then spend your energy pointing to that beauty. Because it is all around you. Even in the tragedy. Even in the hardships even in the challenges, even when it feels the bleakest. There is always a light. There is always hope. There is always love. So abide in that love. Amen.